Pastor Xavier Reese with a reminder of God's reign and glory, a foregone simple truth. Jerusalem will be the center of the kingdom rule. Jerusalem will be the glorious city that will bring honor to Yahweh. Jerusalem will be accessible to all who seek the king. Jerusalem will be the center of the worship through Jesus Christ, and Jerusalem will endure, listen, forever. God says, Jerusalem is my city, and it's going to be the capital of the world for a thousand years. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The book of Philippians reminds us that he who begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And today, Pastor Xavier takes us back to the Old Testament to show us how this principle only comes to fruition when you surrender your life completely to the glory of God. So let's listen in for this simple truth in today's message titled, The Greater Glory of the Temple. God has uh, confronted, as you know, the people for their apathetic indifference to build that Lord's house, while yet building their own luxurious houses, and they repented in chapter 1. Now God encouraged the remnant in the work of the temple that they now are going to be involved in, unfolds for us in the threefold movement. First, we have the directive regarding the proclamation in verse 1 and 2. Haggai, notice, received a second prophecy here. In this second one, this is one month and two days after the first one. Now look at verse 2. Haggai was to declare the prophetic message to three individuals. Uh, the first is Zerubbabel. Speak to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah. And again, as we said, Zerubbabel means sown in Babylon. So without doubt, he was born in the Babylonian captivity. Zerubbabel is the governor, and he's responsible for the oversight of all the work and everything that's going on. The second one is Joshua. And he's the high priest. So you have the line of the king, David, through Zerubbabel. Now you have the line of Aaron here. The third is the remnant here, the people, in verse 2. And they were the Jews who had returned from Babylon, the captivity, by the decree of Cyrus. And again, that's a fulfillment of God's prophecies. You find it at the end of Chronicles. You find it in the, in, in, um, the book of Ezra. And uh, it's confirmed through history. Some were old and had seen the temple of Solomon that had been destroyed. Others were young and they were born in captivity. So they never had anything to physically remind them in their mind. They just heard of the stories and, and the tradition that was passed down. The remnant were there to repatriate the nation fulfilling the prophecies of God. This was not a, a human effort, but it was a divine direction and so the directive regarding the proclamation was to the people of God. Now notice secondly, in verse 3 through 5, we get the perspective regarding the exhortation. The first question God asked through his prophet Haggai concerned those who had been alive in Jerusalem before the captivity. Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? Notice the second question. How do you see it now? Now, they, 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 they saw it. Now, there's a comparison here. The reality of the condition of the temple had only one correct answer. Terrible, meager, deplorable to these old people. There's no comparison. Notice the third is not a question. 
But it answers the second question. In comparison with it, with the Temple of Solomon, is this not in your eyes as nothing? He confirms the second. The caution is that those who have had better days in the past can despise the work of God in the present. Those same people can become a hindrance to the new work God is desiring to do. The past only helps me to understand that God has worked and he will continue to work. But the past can't tell me how he's going to work or when he's going to work. But it does tell me that he will work again. But I can't compare the two. Because I cannot despise the day of small things in the past nor the ones in the present. Because whatever God is doing, that's the best thing for today. You understand? God wanted the people to depend on him in the present in contrast to the past. God commanded Zerubbabel first. Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord. Yet now, despite the reality that the present temple is nothing compared to the former temple, be strong. It's a command, not a suggestion. To be firm and courageous. The work would be hard and long. Zerubbabel was the governor and his example was imperative for the people as a leader depending on God to get the work done that God said he was going to do. God then commanded Joshua the same thing and be strong Joshua son of Jehoshadak the high priest. Joshua needed to be firm, courageous. Zerubbabel, the line of the king. Joshua, the high priest. As the high priest, he was the one who brought the people to God. He was the go-between, the mediator. He needed to be right with God first. He needed to obey Him. The authority is identical to the covenant God who would fulfill this. He would be faithful. Notice God's last command is to the remnant of the people. And be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord. Three times He says it. God gave a second command and work for I'm with you says the Lord of hosts the work involved the house of God the temple notice God wanted the people to live as the covenant people in the present as they had in the past verse 5 he's not giving them anything different listen to the words according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt God is just Reminding them of what he had promised them. The Shekinah glory had departed from Jerusalem in the temple as you know when Ezekiel wrote in Ezekiel eleven twenty three, It just went away because of all the sin, all the idolatry and all. Now God's spirit remained among them. He was there in the midst of whatever you're in. God is with you if you're walking with him. Jeremiah 32, 27, you remember God told Jeremiah that he was going to put him in captivity and he was going to bring him back. And Jeremiah believed God, but then he got thrown in jail and then he's doubting in jail. And God speaks to Jeremiah in Jeremiah there, 32, 27. And he says, um, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? It's a rhetorical question. There's only one answer that's correct. No. Maybe you're in the very situation because you have not trusted God. 
but in yourself and you really have brought much of this upon yourself the trouble and difficulty we're knuckleheads at time but God is merciful he's gracious God would have you to acknowledge and confess your sin then God would have you to trust him to guide you to direct you to speak to you through his word and prayer not your emotions not your feelings not what other people tell you God would have you to serve him so you can stay close to him. God would have each of us to walk in the new covenant of the spirit. That we walk in the spirit that we not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5.16 That we be led of the spirit. Galatians 5.18 That we bear the fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5.22 That we live in the spirit. Galatians 5.25 That we so to the spirit and not the flesh, Galatians 6, 8, that we not grieve the spirit in Ephesians 4, 30, that we be constantly being filled with the spirit of God, Ephesians 5, 18, that we pray in the spirit, Ephesians 6, 18, and many, many other things of the spirit. And so the perspective regarding the exhortation was to trust God. Thirdly comes the perceptive regarding the revelation, verse 6 through 9. Notice in verse 6, God projected from the present to the future and times now. All of a sudden, he just goes to the future. The one speaking is once again the captain of the armies of heaven. For thus saith the Lord of hosts. He has never been intimidated or defeated, by the way. Not by a person, not by a nation, not by any army. He confounded the language of the Tower of Babel and dispersed the people throughout the earth. He defeated Egypt by judging their gods, revealing that there were no gods at all. He defeated the innumerable Midianites through Gideon and his 300 strong. He sent one angel one night to wipe out 250,000 frontline Assyrian troops one angel you see the text in Haggai here is referring to the shaking that will take place during the tribulation and great tribulation listen to the words once more it is a little while I will shake heaven and earth the sea and dry land now the book of Hebrews quotes this but refers to the shaking of Mount Sinai when God spoke in Hebrews 12, 26, when he quotes this. But the very next verse of Hebrews 12, verse 27, mentions the shaking that Haggai speaks about. Listen, now this yet once more indicates the removal of all those things that are being shaken as of things that are made that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. There's a big shaking coming soon to this world, such as never before. The book of Revelation reveals some of the quakings during what's known as Jacob's trouble, the seven years of tribulation. Revelation 6, 12 through 13 says, I look when uh, he opened up the sixth seal and behold, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became like blood and the stars of the heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. 
Revelation 8, 5. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it onto the earth. And there were noises, thundering, lightnings, and an earthquake. In Revelation 11, 13. In the same hour, there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell, Jerusalem. In the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed, and the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. One more, Revelation 16, 18 through 20, just in case you're going to be around. And there were noises, thunderings, and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. This is worse than the San Andreas Falls, ladies and gentlemen. Now the great city was divided into three parts, Jerusalem. And the cities, plural, of the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of wine of the fierceness of her wrath. Then every island fled away and the mountains were not found. This is the big one. God's judgment will fall upon this world, ladies and gentlemen. The global citizenship will be able to do nothing against God. Look at verse 7. God revealed the glory of the future millennial temple. Now he's gone to the future. Tribulation, great tribulation. Now he moves into the millennial kingdom. Haggai refers to the second coming here at the end of the seven years first. And I will shake all nations. There's the key. The prophetic preview is given to us in Psalm 2. Listen to to Psalm 2, verse 1 to 6. It says, Why do the nations rage? And the people plot a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break the bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. And then it responds, says he, meaning Jesus, who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill, Zion. That's the preview of the second coming in Psalm 2. This describes the battle of Armageddon as the nations are gathered in an attempt to stop Jesus from setting up the kingdom. The world's real serious against God. Listen carefully. This is the actual account in Revelation 19, 15 through 19. Now out of the mouth, out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress, the fierceness of the wrath of God Almighty. And he has on his robe and on his right, on his thigh, a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I saw the, an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds of the, that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beasts, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him, Jesus, who sat on the horse and against his army. The battle of Armageddon, where he destroys the armies of the world, ladies and gentlemen. Haggai described the future opulence next of wealth to be in the kingdom temple. Listen to the words. And they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Now, 
The desire of all nations has been interpreted by the Jewish tradition as it being Messiah, and many have accepted this interpretation. But the Messiah has never really been the desire of all nations, not in the past, not in the present, and it's not even going to be the desire in the millennial. The millennial, there's still sin, there's still rebellion, okay? He forces them to come to Jerusalem once a year for the Feast of Tabernacles or they get in the rain. <laughs> Others interpret this desire of the nations to refer to the next verse. The silver, the gold that belongs to God. J. Vernon McGee, the late J. Vernon McGee is one of them and many others. Now, stop and think of the context. It's important. He's talking about the glory of the present temple Zerubbabel. None. Compared to Solomon's, great. What are we talking about here? The opulence, the glory. So I think that this might be the better interpretation. I give you both. One's not going to send you to hell or heaven. Okay? I give you both. But I think the, the, what verse 9 is, is what he's talking about. What is it that men desire after all the time? Silver and gold. They kill, they betray, they do whatever, right? God doesn't care about this stuff. He owns a cattle on every hill. The inferior glory in Zerubbabel's time was lacking the opulence of gold and silver. Here you have the future temple in the millennium. Haggai declared what God was going to do in that day. Listen, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Jesus will be the very glory of the millennial temple, ruling and reigning. Jesus will rule with the rod of iron, the captain of the armies of heaven. Nobody will get away with anything. Notice Haggai declared the true owner of all wealth. Silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. He guards his own wealth. <laughs> Fort Knox has nothing on him. There's nothing there anymore anyway, so... Except uh, notes of debt. Look at verse 9. God interpreted the millennial temple to be... Listen, the superior glory. He takes him from the past glory to the present lack of glory, to the future glory. The final temple of the kingdom age will excel all past glories of the previous temples, plural. The glory of this latter temple shall be the greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. They saw the glory of Solomon's temple. They saw the diminished glory of the foundation temple here of Zerubbabel and Joshua. But the temple would be beautified this temple of Zerubbabel would be beautified and enlarged by Herod. And the superior glory in that temple, which is still the second temple. Solomon the first temple, Zerubbabel second temple. Herod is still the second temple. He just expanded it, okay? Beautified. A superior glory would be in that temple. Jesus Christ, God incarnate, would walk in it. Be dedicated there. Turn over the temple tables and, and, and kick all the thieves out. <laughs> A superior glory. Oh, that God will rent the heavens, Isaiah says. God says, little bit, I'll be down there in about 700 years. And he came down. The temple of the kingdom will have Jesus the Messiah reign in Jerusalem. And the nations will have to come every year for the Feast of Tabernacles, I said. Listen to Zechariah. He says, and it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, on them... There will be no rain. So much for the desire of the nations being the Messiah and the kingdom age. No way. 
There's still sin. There's still rebellion. We're glorified. But the people that entered in, they still have sin nature. Notice the location. The location will be Jerusalem. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Jerusalem means teaching of peace. Every act of disobedience will be dealt with swiftly and speedily. Jesus is coming for his church, ladies and gentlemen, first. Then he will come back with his church to set up the kingdom. Are you looking for Jesus Christ? Are you waiting to be caught up in the air to be with the Lord? I hope so. Luke 21, 36, Jesus says, Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Escape all these things, the great tribulation. The millennial temple is given in detail, as you know, in Ezekiel chapter 40 to 48. The temple is described as an enclosed area in, in chapter 40, verse 5 through 27. Then there is the inner court where the priest minister in the altar in chapter 40, verse 28 through 47. Then the temple proper itself is described in 40, verse 48, down to chapter 42, verse 20. The glory of Yahweh returns to the temple in chapter 43, verse 1 through 12. The furnishings and the regulations of the worship are described in Ezekiel 43, Verse 13 to chapter 47, verse 12. The new tribe divisions in the city of God declared in 47, verse 13 to 48. The boundaries of the seven north tribes is given in chapter 48, 1 through 7. And the central portion of the land is given in 48, verse 8, down to 20. And the portion of the land for the prince in chapter 48, 21 through 22. And the boundaries of the five southern tribes is given in 48, 23 through 29. And then the gates of the city in 48, 30 to 35. Very specific, very detailed. But it's the millennial temple. There's only been two temples, Solomon and Zerubbabel's. Herod's is not a third. Do not count the temple of the Antichrist. That's not God's. He declares himself God and he blasphemes God. The abomination of the desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet in Matthew 24, 15. Jerusalem will be the center of the kingdom rule. Jerusalem will be the glorious city that will bring honor to Yahweh. Jerusalem will be protected by the king. Jerusalem will be accessible to all who seek the king. Jerusalem will be the center of the worship of God through Jesus Christ. And Jerusalem will endure, listen, forever. Do you realize there's not one Muslim map that has Israel on their maps? let alone Jerusalem as its capital. God says, I don't really care. Jerusalem is my city. And it's going to be the capital of the world for a thousand years. We have such incredible information, ladies and gentlemen, that it just blows my mind. <laughs> the perceptive regarding the revelation was to believe the word of God. I don't understand. Just believe it and walk with God. God encouraged the remnant in the work of the temple that has unfolded for us here in these threefold steps. The directive regarding the proclamation to the people of God. The perspective regarding the exhortation was to trust God. The perceptive regarding the revelation was to believe in the word of God. How are we doing? Practical stuff that God gives in difficult times. 
Listen, life is made of blind guts. <laughs> Not a sanitary laboratory. <laughs> Welcome to the club. May God give us wisdom. Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths about God's prophecy as it's revealed by the Old Testament prophet Haggai. Now you can request a copy of today's essential study, The Greater Glory of the Temple, available on CD for just $4. And by the way, this CD will also contain everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. So the title you'll be asking for once again is The Greater Glory of the Temple. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, Nine one one zero seven, And it's helpful when you mention the call letters of this station when you contact us. And then join us for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese right here next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com